Mr. Pop. Dark. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to take a look at the classic Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon. That's right. So I, I guess actually the question we should be trying to answer today is which uh, film are we going to try to sync this pack up with in like perfect synchronicity? <laughs> is it going to be, you know, Uncut Gems? Is it going to be uh, Frozen 2? I mean, th- there's a lot of options. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't it have to be something that, that the title has to do with? I mean, Wizard of Oz doesn't really have anything to do with Dark Side of the Moon, right? Uh, fair point. Are these... is songs from this album in these movies is that what's happening because i have no idea ben ben are you are you picking up any of this do you are you at all aware of this i have uh, no idea what's talking wizard of oz is a movie i don't know well trashy obligatory (laughs) jokes aside let's check out the new player cards and the newest mythos pack wish you were here all right sure yeah let's let's just move let's just move this along Um, insert like a something going over my head sound effect there (laughs) yes i in this case (laughs) even i'm not going to complain about that being too much work uh so our first new card is the 35 Winchester, which is a guardian asset, costs four, level zero. It has one agility icon on it. It is an item, a weapon, and a firearm. Uses five ammo, action, fight. You get plus two combat for this attack. If a plus one zero or elder sign chaos token is revealed during this attack, this attack deals plus two damage. And it takes up two hand slots. Uh, wow, how bizarre. You don't have to use up any ammo on this weapon? That seems pretty good. Unless unless something unless there's any new developments that might affect that at all. Yeah, I think someone's already asked Matt Newman unofficially, and he's like, "Yeah, it's an error." So I think we should assume it'll cost uh, one ammo to use this in an, after an errata. That's okay. That's well, okay. that factored into our new analysis of this card. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to recalibrate. So this is sort of similar to the Thompson a little bit, right? Because it's like a two-hander. It has like five shots on it. I guess the main downside compared to like the Thompson is that. Unless you draw a special token, you don't get any extra damage. Right. So, so it's it's more like graveyard shovel. What is it? Storm of spirits or no? Song of Song of the Dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. compared to something like the forty-five or the Thompson, this is three damage some of the time and one damage most of the time. Right. And especially on harder difficulties where there's not even like a plus one in the bag. Well, I think in right harder difficulties like there's zeros and plus instead of plus ones. I'm not sure though. Yeah. At least for the first few campaigns when I was sort of paying attention, uh, I think it was like the same number, plus one, zero. So there's but... generally a plus one and two zeros in a normal bag. In standard, and then in yeah. hard, it usually replaces the plus one with a zero. I'm Something pretty sure. like that. I don't know. It might be different. There's so many campaigns now. So Yeah, yeah. On expert, isn't there like one zero and like no plus ones or something? I guess the point you're trying to make is like, this is probably better in easier difficulties just because there's probably more of those tokens, right? Yeah, like, maybe on easy you could think about this. The bottom line is, I just feel like I would rather have a reliable two damage every time that I use the weapon, instead of a chance of having three. Because two damage is huge. Two damage is, like, twice as much as you normally do. Yeah, I think it's flavorfully pretty cool. I think think the the headshot aspect of it is kind of (laughs) neat. I mean, I think there's, like, a couple use cases for this. It's it's more, it's not, like, a general good weapon, but I think maybe as more of, like, an off-class weapon, someone that has, like, subclass guardian that maybe wants needs the higher combat 
to more consistently hit, like maybe skids or something. Yeah. Oh, you know who would love to pull a bunch of tokens and find symbols? Are you going to say Agnes? Because I was going to say Diana. Darn, I was going to say Versatile Agnes. <laughs> oh, uh. No, because I, I mean, I, I think you guys are kind of right. I think you almost would have to try to run this in like Diana or somebody else that can play a bunch of nonsense mystic cards and let you like fish around for the token that you want. Like if you have some way to reliably draw a specific token, then this becomes really good. But I'm a little skeptical that you'd be able to do that reliably enough to make up for the shortcomings of this. Yeah. Now, yeah, I was going to say like Diana, if she's running like all of the like olive and like dark prophecy and all the other like draw a bunch of tokens and pick one type cards yeah it is rough that it's a two-hander because it means you can't also be holding like a grid statue or something kelsey is yeah. that event that lets you spend extra ammo to draw more cards or draw more tokens rather I what it's called oh yeah oh eat lead yeah maybe maybe there's a build where you but even then like you have two copies of that event right i, I think mm-hmm. this is a card you have to build around like it's not a generally good card but it's a card you could build around with certain investigators so i think it's interesting in that aspect it feels similar to old hunting rifle kind of like the opposite of old hunting rifle in that it's you have to pull specific things to do the extra damage whereas old hunting rifle if you pull the skull or the auto fail you jam and yeah. don't get the benefit oh that's like a three xp card yeah. but it's survivor too so yeah that is true that is true i don't think we can overlook like a zero xp card that can do three damage occasionally uh even if you yeah. build around it like, I think it can still be strong yeah and then your mateo starts sealing all the zeros with shards of the wood and you're just you're just down you're just up shit creek (laughs) yeah well yeah that's the thing and and even then with the current card pool i just think that you're not you're not going to be able to do this even remotely reliably even with specific cards that you fish for tokens i think it's gonna be a challenge i do wish it was like one-handed so that you could use your other weapon and then when you had whatever cards available to boost your odds with this that's when you'd use this but that would, if this was like cheaper and one-handed and only had like two or three ammo on it or something and it was going to be like your yeah that'd be that would be cooler but anyway interesting interesting one let's uh let's move on to the other guardian card so the next guardian card is safeguard it is a two resource cost asset it's level two uh, it commits for a will symbol and an agility symbol it is a talent and as a Triggered ability. Reaction. During another investigator's turn, exhaust safeguard. For the remainder of that investigator's turn, as they move from your location to a connecting location, you may move to that location as well. So you get to follow them around for the remainder of the turn. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna illustrate my understanding of this card, and then Ben is gonna lay down the law. (laughs) So I recently played through the Excelsior Hotel as Zoe who went screaming into the hotel with uh, the hungering blade and the murder weapon and murdered everything in sight. And I mean, everyone there was wicked, right? Like it was justly, it was just, just murder. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, it was very just. It was in the eyes of God as God willed it. So what would happen was I would jump on Rita's back at one end of the hotel and she would, I would scream to the other side on the back of Rita, picking up enemies with taunt as we went through rooms to the other end where I brought them to the basement and threw, threw a dynamite at my feet and exploded everybody all at the same time. All the while gaining money to play the said dynamite <laughs> because I'm engaging things. Well, are you saying you, you, you were using safeguards to do this? Yes. Huh. And you were taunting enemies or you were just letting them engage you instead of Rita? Both. Because you definitely can't play a taunt if it's not your turn. But... You could just—you're both moving into the location at the same time, so you could just oh sure, look sure, and go and yeah, 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 and then then you yeah. If there's not like prey or whatever, you can choose who it both yeah. happens. So I played the taunt wrong, but 
we still like collected some of the enemies. Yeah, most most part, that sounds pretty above board. That's uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to encourage you, you riding on Rita's back. That has some <laughs> implications we don't want to dive into, but. Uh, <laughs> I think what's kind of terrifying about this is the possibility of like two people that have it and they use them both in the same turn to just imagine share both movements. Basically, I mean, we did that all Guardian run. Imagine if we all had this. That's that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Eight <laughs> safeguards. I mean, that's what I'm thinking is is like a new archetype where it's like everyone is just like linking arms and like standing back to back, like and just moving as a team all the time. Yeah, we might have buried the lead on this, but this this I is mean, like a very good card. Right. Like I think I think it's honestly incredible. So a, a person had a poll for the top ten guardian cards to upgrade into, and somebody mentioned that this might make the top ten. This is absolutely like uh, along the same lines as stand together. It's just it's super good for supporting like your friends that you can just move. You can take all of your mark actions and then still move with who you need to move with to murder things off of them. It's fantastic, especially if you're playing like a. You know, even in duo, when you're doing like, if you do like a guardian with a seeker, and you just always have to stand top of your seeker, like this is great. You don't have to ever move because the seeker will move around with you. Especially a seeker with Pathfinder and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. like yeah. Ursula. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Pathfinder's twice shortcuts, and you're like you're like halfway across the map. So I think not not to be not to be too much of wet blanket because I do think this is a very fun card, and I'm very excited to play it. I think that you do have to keep in mind that this doesn't necessarily, it doesn't help you kill things, right? And it doesn't help you like right. draw cards. So uh, it is kind of like a luxury card. It's not like a core thing that is going to make your deck function properly. But I think that, because it's sort of like only if you find that you need more actions to move around. But I do think, yeah, it's going to be really fun. It's going to help you kind of like stay on top of a seeker that you're trying to protect or something like that. And like at least throwing like one copy of this in, especially because I I don't know about you guys, I often find that with guardians you kind of run out of stuff to spend XP on. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to give this a try. I think at the very least it'll be very fun, and at most it'll be extremely, extremely good. Yeah, and also possible to use in some really stupid, fun deck composition combos and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, usually I'll go like for a guardian build anyway. I'll go with like all of the compulsory like if I'm upgrading guns, I upgrade my guns first. If I'm upgrading like beat cops and things, I'll upgrade those first. Then there's like this pool where okay, now I can help like support my friends via like uh, stand togethers. This falls into that pool too. This is like right next to stand together in terms of like being really solid uh, action compression. A lot of the time, I do run shortcut on mark anyway, just because it's yeah. really good. If if you know, because you're healing a lot, you're you're taking a lot of actions to make sure that you're really healthy and above the oh shit, Sophie's not against me threshold. So like you know, I want to make sure that that's great. By the way, uh, you can absolutely. Oh no, you can only shortcut on your turn, right? So you can't like shortcut someone else and play this to move with them. That's too bad. That'd be that'd be that'd be kind of fun. But yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, someone else could play a shortcut on themselves. That's or, that's true. Or on somebody else that you're hanging out with. Or if a rogue like uses a one of the cards that gets them in action in mythos phase and then moves during the mythos phase, you can move with them or whatever. Yeah. I don't think you can do this for that though, because it's during an investigator's turn. Oh, during an officer's turn. True, true, true. So it's it's funny to go back and think about Carnival of Horrors, which is one of the first scenarios released for the game, and it's one of oh, our favorites. Yeah. And I think we haven't played it in a while. I think that some newer cards might really trivialize 
it to a pretty high degree just because there's so many more movement options. Like open gate, we kind of need to do like a whole segment at some point about how Luke can just kind of like completely break a lot of scenarios by teleporting around. (laughs) So like, like open gate in Venice would make a huge difference, but even stuff like this, I feel like if we went back and played it with the new movement cards, you would just be able to move around the loop so much so fast because that's one where the map is laid out like a circle where you can only move clockwise but when you have so many extra movement options that that main difficulty of that part of the scenario is almost way easier than it used to be yeah it's kind of a really cool historical moment right because here was carnival of horrors which was definitely like one of the harder expansions to play where the geometry and like the locations were most of the reason for that and suddenly back when there were a total of like five scenarios that existed for the game you know yeah but it was it was definitely like one of the coolest one of the most flavorfully well well done and and like yeah Yeah. now we're at a point where you can just play like three mystic cards (laughs) and it's just done it's like (laughs) the whole like the 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 difficulty level just goes from a nine to like a four you know because suddenly you can just move anywhere you want and and unlike open gate which has some kind of extra nonsense to it where you really need to find multiple copies and it's going to be way better in some scenarios than others i think this is just pretty consistently going to be good most of the time yeah yeah and we shouldn't get into that it's uh, only level two so like a lot of off-class people can take it as well oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. so the aforementioned diana william york and skids Yeah. yeah i mean i think it's also really good one thing that's that's Good to mention, um, we were talking about like how support builds aren't necessarily like fleshed out. This kind of helps. I, I remember thinking about a support build and I was like, they need a lot of actions to do what they want to do in addition to doing like other things useful, like, like, uh, getting clues and things like that. This single handedly enables them to do so because suddenly they're not spending actions on moving. Yeah. This is like would kind of be the opposite of the in the know build where you kind of sit in one place, right? Because you're moving around with all your friends. So, for instance, like a Carolyn could just like get dragged along the whole place and heal all your allies and still be able to pick up clues and stuff. So it's true. I mean, she already has Pathfinder anyway. But I, I so I, one, one last thing before <laughs> yeah. we move on to the next card: if you are allowed, like Carolyn, to play both this and Pathfinder, which one do you play, or do you play both? I think I would probably still take Pathfinder in most situations. Yeah, Pathfinder is more expensive to play, but it, you have more control over where you're moving, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it depends a lot on like how many people are playing in the group and other stuff. But I, I think on average, I would probably still take Pathfinder. But there are definitely situations where this is better. Yeah, I think there are a lot of dynamics to the question, but yeah, you could consider taking both. There's some mixture of like two and one. I'd probably take. Yeah, I might take one of each or something. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, on to the next one. Seeker cards. All right, so the next card is the first Seeker card of the pack called Practice Makes Perfect. It is a one-cost event, level zero, with one willpower and one intellect commit icon. It's a gambit and a tactic, which is a little contradictory, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It is fast, play during a skill test at your location, search the top nine cards of your deck for a practiced skill, and commit it to this skill test, if able. Shuffle the remaining cards back into your deck. After this test ends, if it was successful, add that skill to your hand instead of discarding it. So probably the first thing we should mention is briefly a recap of what the major practiced skills are. So Deduction and Vicious Blow are both practiced. Prophecy is practiced. Overpower and Perception are practiced. And that's pretty much it for like the good ones that are kind of staples of the game. There's some other ones. Also, Homefront is practiced if you're playing Mark. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
And then it's a lot of kind of cards that are really not that great that we usually don't play. There's one in this pack as well that's practiced that might combo with this a little bit. Yeah. There's also, so obviously, if you're playing Mandy, then you could either search the top 12 cards of your deck instead of 9, or you could search 9 and pick out 2 cards. Which is very relevant for, for later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. There's not too many practice cards that you'd want to target this with, but so using it as like a general, like saying how good it is generally is hard to say, but if you're doing it with a specific deck where you have, uh, like if you're doing Mark, Mark already has home front and Vicious Blows probably, and maybe he take, there's like a couple other practice cards he could consider taking, but I'm sure you wouldn't take them, Dan, but other people might. Um, yeah, I, oh, I definitely take one of these just to try it out. Um, he goes through his deck so fast, and like an ex- this is kind of like in my eyes either an extra home front or an extra vicious blow. Sometimes that, that's the, that's the thing, right? Like with Mark, you usually find your vicious blows early because you're drawing so many cards, and you just hold them in hand until you need them. Yeah, and it's it's really tough because Mark just has like so many good things for him that it's like really hard to find deck slots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I would I would like to try this out at some point, just as a one of. I, I don't think I would play this in Mark. I guess like Zoe could play it to find her vicious blows, but I don't think she would because she only has five off class spots. Yeah. In terms of seekers playing it, I just I don't think that this is worth it to find your deduction because deduction is a great card, but it kind of slots into like working a hunch has a similar effect. There's another card we're about to talk about that has a similar effect. Like if you want an extra card that gets you extra clues, rather than playing something that finds you deduction, you could just like play another deduction ish card, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, it it essentially gives you an extra one though, right? Because you return the the skill back to your hand after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is true. So, so you yeah. you return the skill back to your hand after after you resolve it. So that's kind of nice. Right. So you get to use it twice. Yeah. I think it's just kind of awkward because like even in Mandy, which is maybe the best case scenario for this, you don't really have enough practice skills that you're going to completely reliably hit two of these in nine cards or i guess you can probably reliably hit one of them in 12 but that doesn't seem like a great use of your mandy ability once per turn compared to using mr rook so fair point this is like a card that could definitely become much better if they add like a couple of good practice cards right yeah yeah i think that's the key point if if there's just like one or two practice cards that are added to like seeker or something it just it just like breaks wide open yeah, let's wait and see what other uh, practice skills seek- that are relevant to Seekers get printed, and we might have to revisit this at some point. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's move on to the other Seeker card. So uh, this is called Extensive Research. Research, that sounds like a Mandy card. It is an event that costs 10. 10? What? Crazy. Uh, level 1 Ten. has two intellect icons on it. Uh, it's an insight. Wait, really? It's a seeker card? That's an insight? This is really weird. <laughs> Reduce the cost to play extensive research by one for each other card in your hand. Discover two clues at your location. And the art I really like because it has Mandy and it looks like Min in it uh, hanging out in a library, which is a scary place to be in, in Arkham Files. But I always, we were talking about this earlier, I always like it when there's art that has like two different investigators in it because it's like, oh, cool, they're hanging out. Yeah, same one. Also, uh, I mean, these are the two. Those are the two investigators in this game that will probably like, <laughs> consider using this card. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. It, it, it's nice when they get, when they put the person on the card as kind of a clue as to what deck you should put it in. <laughs> I would argue that that is misleading about as often as it is helpful. Mm, that's, yeah. Does that mean that practice make perfect is going to be for Kate. She can be about based on her practice skills. Spoilers <laughs> or something. We've cracked it. Let's, we'll see. let's note this back. Come back to this later in like three years when she's added to the game. <laughs> um. So, so, so in, in terms of evaluating this card, let's start by assuming that you always have eight cards in your hand. Like, let's assume that you discarded down to eight at the end of upkeep, 
and now you're starting investigator phase, you have eight cards in hand, which means this is going to cost three, right? Because you have seven other cards in your hand. So it's pay three, discover two clues at your location. That is not very good because working a hunch is like strictly better than that, right? Working a hunch is one clue fast for two. Which means as long as you're pretty sure you can pass an investigate test, which, you know, sometimes there's like locked doors and stuff, like sometimes you might not be able to, but in general, if you just investigate and then working a hunch fast to get an extra clue, that's a click for two clues versus this would also be like a click for two clues. Yeah, that's if you're playing this first action, maybe you do something else that's productive that also draws you a card and then now it's two. Especially in Mandy, you could like use Mr. Rook go yeah. up to 10 cards in hand then play this for one that's yeah. sort of nice and i'd also like i definitely compare this to like intel report right which is four money for two clues oh, so that's in a different class but yeah that, that's in a class that is that's in a class that's not as good at getting clues though. that's what i was thinking too yeah yeah it is it is a different class but uh i don't know i think we can still compare it because it's like a level zero card versus level one and a lot of people have access to like all classes level zeros now or some weird spread it's also double double intellect icons is kind of nice in some situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're using this in Mandy and you're like subclass rogue, maybe you have Intel Report and this. There's definitely also a lot of cards they've added in this pack and the last couple packs that are like supporting like a have half your ha- have your deck in your hand at once <laughs> archetype. Um, oh yeah, I was thinking if you're playing Brondo the Thirst Mutilator, aka. <laughs> The Dream Enhancing Serum. Oh. Uh, you can have a lot of cards in your hand, and this card may be zero. That being said, there's a lot of setup to get there, considering the Serum is already three, I think, to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, is when I'm picking my get extra clues per action cards, deduction, I still think, is usually the best one. Working a hunch is also quite good. I think I would probably play both of those over this. It, yeah, you're right. There are some situations where it can be basically a cheaper working a hunch where you don't have to do any type of test at all which is pretty cool but that's not enough of an improvement over working a hunch that i want to risk the bad case where maybe it's early in the game and you haven't found your mr rook yet and you only have four cards in hand and this is basically useless because you can't afford to play it i think that i'm playing two of these in my hunch deck for joe almost every time because if you start a game at five cards in hand and you have this on the top of your hunch deck it's three, right? Yeah. Because he gets the static two less, and then you get minus five. Well, minus four. But, this oh, that's weird. It doesn't get the discount. Oh. Did the text on this card not account for the fact that it could be played on Joe's deck? Oh, yeah. Because it says for, for each, each other, other card, card in your hand. Hands. Interesting. <laughs> so if it's on top of Joe's deck, then that means that... Mm. Does the game break? <laughs> nah, I would, assume, I would assume you would just say, oh, it's minus five. Because well, yeah, I forget how yeah. Joe's ability works. Doesn't it let you play as if it was in your hand or something? Yeah, I, I think Joe's ability says as if it was in your hand. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that this is pretty interesting in Joe because he does get that extra two discount and because you need to have 10 hunch cards anyway. And yeah. there's kind of, as it is now, there's quite a few good hunch cards, but there's like maybe like eight that I really like. And I would probably, I'd probably put these in instead of whatever the last two would be. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I would probably play this in Joe. I don't think I would play it in Mandy, but I let's let's see how it is. Like it, it it's not terrible. Like it's definitely a decent card. Yeah, I mean, again, Min is also good because I don't know whenever I play Min, I already have always have like ten cards in my hand every turn, <laughs> just from all the various draw effects. So that is it true. Gets, like, very easy. Could be a one or zero cost card. So yeah, 
And also with Min, uh, what we've seen happen with Min is that you basically draw the king in yellow and then become useless for like four turns and you can't pass any tests. <laughs> but with this, you don't have to. You just play it and, uh, you know, you get the clues. Bam! So, exactly. Like, yeah. can't overlook that it's a testless, it's two testless clues, so. It also, so to, I guess, like combos, so to speak, with Research Librarian, both flavorfully and in the fact that Research Librarian will draw you two more cards and increase your max hand size by two. Yeah. Meaning, you know, you could potentially get it for zero, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think if if there's, as Ben said, it looks like they're trying to print cards that kind of fit that, like, Research Librarian. Wait a minute, no, sorry, not Research Librarian, it's Laboratory Assistant is the one that increases your hand size. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there may be printing some more cards that fit in the kind of, like, um, increase your hand size and have lots of cards in hand. Uh, hope Amnesia isn't in your deck style. <laughs> so the more of those that they print, the more interesting this becomes. Yeah, for sure. We should maybe move on to the next card, which is maybe kind of part of this same archetype in some cases. Yeah, so welcome to the rogue cards. Um, the next card is a rogue skill. It's at level one. It's called Three Aces. It commits for one wild symbol. It's a fortune, practiced, myriad card. If you commit three copies of three of aces to a skill test, that test is automatically succeeds. Do not reveal chaos tokens from the chaos bag. Then draw three cards and gain three resources. Max once per test. So you can't trigger this like a million times. <laughs> Off of multiple people doing it. So we were talking about practice makes perfect in Mandy. I think that if you're going to do it, you're going to do Mandy uh, with rogue subtyping. You're going to get three three of aces. You're going to practice makes perfect with one of the, your three of aces in your hand. You're going to find your two other ones, and you're going to feel great about life. Unless one of them is on the bottom of your deck, and then you're going to feel absolutely terrible about your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can use Dream Serum, and you can do a couple other, like, draw more cards type of things with Mandy. I think this is good with Mandy in that, like, the whenever you draw a card, you get to draw the same copy of that card effect deck. Oh, the, uh, the Dream Serum? Yeah, Dream yeah, Serum. Yeah. You can even throw in that... Uh, the pendant of the queen in there to that deck too. Well, but. wait a minute. It's 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 not whenever you draw a card, you get to get another copy of that card. It's whenever you draw a card that you already have in your hand, you get to yeah. draw an extra card. Right. And she already draws so many cards. I Yeah, I, I don't think this is great. I think the payoff for it is just not that huge. Automatically succeeding on a test is nice. If you're Mandy, you're going to succeed on your investigations almost all the time. You have high enough will and agility that all you really need is like a courage or something, and you can usually pass those tests too. Obviously, expert mode's different, but on standard or hard, I don't think you need it. And three cards and three money is nice, but you're kind of just getting back the three cards that you committed. So, right. yeah, I, no, I, I just don't love this. I mean, I think that a lot of the kind of like collect three cards and then do some kind of thing it's like a fun little side quest to have but you're really better off if you just have your deck full of good cards that actually do things like get clues because mm. that's you're gonna you're you if you're putting like three three aces in your deck then you're out of room for like deductions and working hunches and right right, right. Yeah. i mean this is gonna work with um like succeed by decks though uh because if you automatically succeed it's like as if the test was difficulty zero i believe so that works Oh, really? If you combo this with like a bunch of like, oh, if you succeed by five or whatever, then you get some benefit. You could do something crazy with that. But I think it needs to be in a deck where you have good card draw so you could actually get all three of them because it's obviously bad as if you don't have all three. Are you thinking of the like um, ancient stone or whatever, where for every two, you that's what I was thinking. Yeah, something yeah, like sure. That. But yeah. but even in that case, wouldn't you rather just have like three cards in your deck that commit for double intellect and then just commit those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree that it is. This is a card that like you need to get all collect them all throughout the game which is kind of a rogue thing right like they kind of like build up to doing like big giant moments rather than like yeah, consistently yeah. 
doing good throughout the whole game. It's more like a couple big show-offy things. So this kind of fits in with that. Yeah. I think it's a fun card, but I can agree that it's harder to make it work than like a, just a deduction or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I, I think that they're printing enough cards like the Dream Enhancing Serum and the uh, Pendant of the Queen and stuff that you could do a pretty fun, like, 40-card Mandy deck with the Dream Serum and all these myriad cards, and you'd have all these, like, fun little, like, side quests to do during the scenario where, like, oh, I want to make my Pendant, I want to do my three aces and stuff, and that would probably be yeah. really fun. I think it would be significantly worse than just, like, a really good 30-card Mandy deck that's just playing good cards. For sure, But, yeah. you know, it's, the, it's a game about having fun. Like, if you think this would be a fun deck to play, then you should absolutely do it. Yeah, so actually, one of the things that kind of hampered my my fun with this card was I was talking with with Harrison about three of aces, like going doing like all rogues like we did, and like everybody has three of aces. Can't do it. But it doesn't work that way because it says if you commit three copies of it. So yeah. you can't like spread it amongst other investigators and things, which kind of stinks. Otherwise, it would have been pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish it worked that way because that would be really fun to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That, this lady would have kicked out of her poker game, though, if like her two friends walked up to her and handed her an extra ace. <laughs> but that's like, <laughs> honestly, there should be way more stuff like that. Like, oh, as a team, we assemble Exodia or like Cauldron yeah. or whatever the hell. Like, that, <laughs> that would just be really fun if you could do that. Assemble Voltron. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what Safeguard's doing, right? Like, all Guardians' eight Safeguards is everybody like moves everywhere every, every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Guardian swarm. It's just a uh, ball of guardians rolling across the <laughs> we're back on this again we're back to the guardian cuddle puddle like riding around yep. in a wheelbarrow yep. that they take turns pushing and yeah. big phalanx of guardians and guns poking out from it or like yeah. kids in elementary school like holding hands and like walking across the street or whatever so they get lost <laughs> like no there's there's just a huge amount of potential for that card to do like ridiculously hilarious things and i think we're yeah, all oh, i yeah. think we're all very excited about it but oh, we, yeah, we do unfortunately have some somewhat less interesting cards to talk about though <laughs> All right. Let's move on in the rogue cards. So the other rogue card in this pack is Burglary, which uh, we've seen before. Uh, but this is a one-cost asset, and it's level two, uh, with two intellect icons on it. It's a talent and illicit, which of course means Preston cannot use it. <laughs> Action. Exhaust Burglary. Uh, investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering clues, gain two resources, plus one additional resource for each point you succeed by, to a maximum of plus three resources. Mm. So this can get you two to five resources by doing investigate instead of clues. <clears throat> double or nothing. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess you can double or nothing it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Burglary. Wow. We haven't seen this since the corset, right? I think the thing about Burglary, which is a good card, is Drawing Thin kind of ate its lunch a little bit. Because if you were going yeah. to play a card where you spend actions to get money why wouldn't you play the card where you don't need to pass the test at all and it costs zero to play and it can also draw cards if you need cards instead of money right i mean if you don't have access to drawing thin which is a three experience card with taboo right but but a lot of the a lot of the investigators that want to stack up a lot of money can play drawing thin like not all of them but quite a few of them that's true yeah jenny and preston yeah I mean, this seems okay. Like, if you need a huge amount of money, because the regular burglary kind of gives you a fair amount of money already to kind of keep your machine rolling. Yeah, it gives you three. Yeah, but if you wanted, like, a lot of money, then... Yeah, I don't know. Wait, does regular burglary give you three? Yeah, it gives you three. Regular burglary gives you three, So that means if you exactly tie a test with this, you actually get less money than regular burglary? Right. That's right. That sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah... But I mean, like you're put, you're putting this in a deck whose goal is to succeed by a lot, right? Like, or or can reliably do so. That said, like 
we don't have a seeker rogue, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess we have Finn, or Finn, but... Yeah, no, no seeker with subclass rogue. That's what you mean. I just think you have to really need money very badly, and by need money very badly, I mean have ways to convert that money into clues or other useful things very well in order for it to be worth it to, like, draw this card, play it, and then spend multiple actions over the course of several turns just getting money. Like, maybe that is worth it for you, but a lot of times it isn't. Yeah, I think there's more powerful options for getting money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even just Lone Wolf. Yeah, d- depending on how many people are in your group, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much else to say about this. Not too excited about it. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the uh, to the Mystic cards. Let's go ahead and move on. Yep. So the first Mystic card is called Spectral Razor. Wow. Uh, and it is an event that costs two, level zero. It has a willpower icon and a combat icon. The art is uh, Akachi manifesting a Psyblade with her right hand. Super, super cool. It's kind of cool. So this is a spell, and it says, Fight. Add your willpower value to your skill value for this attack. Immediately before this attack, you may engage the attacked enemy. This attack deals plus one damage, plus two damage instead if the enemy is non-elite. It's pretty solid. Seems extremely good. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> pretty it, solid card. This is one of the ones we were talking about. How sometimes the character depicted in the art is kind of a hint of what deck this should go in, and I think that Akachi, yeah, oh yeah. would be pretty happy to play this. Probably also Diana, maybe. Yeah, and the and the newly spoiled Dexter Drake. <laughs> there you uh, go. I mean, I think this is good for any Mystic, even if they don't have a good base combat, right? Yeah, probably, especially especially if they're playing Arcane Initiate, right? What about the ones with a not a good base will? Um, do you mean like just Diana? Diana? <laughs> <laughs> like literally just Diana? Uh, I mean, even Diana can make use of this. Like after she's built up her will a little bit, like that seems fine. Yeah. Like doing three damage for one card. That's good, right? That's majority good. of the snakes in Forgotten Age, and they're like the poster children for like really annoying to deal with things, right? Like three health enemies. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly why like great for that. The thing you have to keep in mind though is that this is kind of competing with Storm of Spirits, right? Which is That's true. Which is gonna do two damage, the regular version, but it does it to every enemy on your location, so it's really good at clearing out rats and stuff like that. I mean I I think they're both good. I think you probably play both or at least try to play both. Um and this is very good, but yeah. It also engages the enemy, which is pretty important. And um, a yes. razor is a kind of blade, which is, of course, uh, what a knife is. So that means Zoe can, of course, use this. <laughs> to, <laughs> oh, man. To uh, you know, engage the enemy, get a, get a money back for paying for it, and she gets, like, plus four <laughs> to hit it for three damage. This right? does not really combo super well with people that are actually playing weapons, though, right? Like, I feel like with Akachi because most of her weapons are going to run out of charges eventually like this is there's sort of a reason to have this but if you're zoe and you just have like a machete or something you know like i don't know well, maybe but this engages and does a damage yeah for one cost to one card oh so it, it gives her one back yeah Ah, oh, clever. That's very what clever. I was saying this for her. I, don't, I mean, sh- her offslots uh, are very tight, especially for Ben's <laughs> list of themed offslot cards. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Um, but I think I think it could work for her. I, I just don't want to overlook the th- doing three damage and also engaging. Like, there's a lot of action compression there. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool because, so this is like kind of hyper-focused single target damage, and then you've got Storm of Spirits on the other end of the spectrum where it's hyper-focused, like, or, or uh, rather kind of spread uh, damage so they're kind of giving you the wrong spell in the different set right because like in carcosa you kind of want more single target damage whereas in 
Dream Eaters, you might want a big splash of damage, right? So so they're kind of like differentiating between the two, and they're both really good in their own respects. And I think also this would be this would be pretty cool to put on Diana. You can load it onto her and and then like Spectral Razor every turn for a few turns. Yeah, that would definitely cool. be good. Yeah, it's 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 nice to have options. It's pretty good. It's also, you know, having more spell cards printed is we've got there's a couple cards in the game that kind of do this like uh you know play off the spell trait like agnes's neck which usually you don't actually play um or like arcane initiate so it's always nice to see more spells get printed yeah yeah no i I think this is pretty good yeah yeah it is it's a little weird that they made it so that you can only do two damage to elite enemies with it i guess they didn't want to be too good for like taunting and engaging bosses and killing them fast or something but there's a there's enough like general three health enemies that this is great so yeah the other thing is that storm spirits has the if you draw a spooky thing bad things happen this one doesn't yeah this one no... just straight up does good shit yeah that's true yeah i mean it's wasn't there a card earlier that was similar to this that was for getting clues it was right yes read yeah. the signs yeah and that one that one got you two clues oh did they finally realize that like one clue isn't equivalent to one damage <laughs> this does three damage <laughs> for a card and that, that only Maybe. gives you like two clues hey that's great if it, that's great if they did <laughs> the next card is Word of Command. It is a two-cost level two event. Uh, it's a spell, and it says, Name a spell card. Search your deck for one copy of the named card and draw it. Shuffle your deck. And then it has a, a neat little uh, like poem or something down there, which is pretty cool. But the art the art is great. I was literally just sitting there staring at the art. This art is really, really good. I would love a playmat of this. I, I think it's Ikiok. It's really good art. I think that's Ikiok, right? Maybe. It could be. It could just be another... Inuit person. I don't know. Who knows? It's an interesting card, though, nonetheless. Level 2 is is kind of tough for it, but I think that searching your deck for a specific card is pretty good. This thing's really good for consistency, right? If you're trying to build your deck around less spells rather than, like, instead of having, like, Rite of Seeking and... I forgot the name of the three costs. <laughs> the three costs. Six cents. Yeah. yeah. Instead of searching your deck for Rite of Seeking and six cents... You could have right of seeking and this to and then that'll let you pull out your right of seekings or whatever. This helps the consistency a lot, I think. Yeah, I like this as kind of like a one of. I think it's a pretty solid. I could definitely see in kind of like a standard hybrid mystic deck playing like two shrivelings, two six cents or right of seeking, and then one of these. And it's like you can probably find what you need relatively early with that combination of cards. Yeah. I'm looking at this card similar to but but even better given the level two status of it. As like an always be prepared? Is that the Guardian one? Prepared for the worst. Yeah, prepared for the worst, sorry. I'm looking at this as a prepared for the worst for mystics, sort of. Like for spells, whereas you'd be looking for weapons. But given its level 2 status, you can kind of look through your whole deck, which is much better. It is a little bit unfortunate that it costs 2 resources, because mystics often are poor. I wish it was 1 instead, but I think it's probably worth it. Because um, it, it's tough, because you're going to play this to tutor for a spell... And then you then have to play the spell, and spells are usually expensive. But nevertheless, I think it's still good. Another thing that's a little bit unfortunate, if you have Mandy in your group and Mandy's going to use her ability on you, you cannot use this to find one copy each of two different spells, I'm pretty sure. The way it's worded, I think you have to name a spell card, then you get to search, and if Mandy's ability is triggering so that you get to resolve two targets, it means that you get to find two copies of that same spell. Sure, sure. So if there's a myriad thing, you'd be fine, but... Yeah, it's it's not quite as useful as if you were able to like find your shriveling and your sixth sense if Mandy was helping you. Fair point. Uh, the shuffle effect is kind of cool for Norman, because he gets to replace the top card of his deck again. It's kind of nice. Yeah. 
I also kind of liken this card to uh, Scrounge for Supplies, which is a new card that came out last pack for Survivors, uh, which was just a zero cost. You just pick a level zero uh, card back up from your discard pile, which if if I could go back in time and re-rate that card, holy balls. That card is so good for anybody who can play it. For the similar reasons as to why Regrowth is incredible in, in a very popular card game, it just gets so much better as, as it goes on. And like this card is is good for consistency in kind of the opposite way, in that you want to play this like, oh, I don't have my shriveling, like we said, you can just pitch it, you can just grab one. It's it's like the perfect fifth spell card that you can pick up. Right, definitely. Yeah, no, I think um I think I think this is quite good. I think it, it might be like a one of more than a two of in a lot of cases, but yeah. one way and it, it you know, it is two XP, it does cost two, but I think we'll see this in a lot of mystic decks. Yeah, I think it's exactly a one cost card because there is a huge downside in that it does not have symbols. So you cannot, cannot commit it. That's why I really would not want to have two of these, right. because if you draw one late in the game, once you already have your spells, totally useless. Yes. Same reason for Scrounge, because Scrounge is yeah. none too. But yeah. Should we move on? Survivors. All right. Uh, first survivor card is called Moonstone. It is a three cost asset, level zero. It is an item, relic, and dreamlands. You get plus one willpower and plus one agility. You cannot play or commit Moonstone from your hand. After you discard Moonstone from your hand, play it, paying its cost. And it is an accessory slot item. So first things first, this is clearly a reference to Muna, the Dream Eater Pokemon that evolves the Moonstone, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's just what I was thinking, too. Ben, you cracked it. Didn't the Moonstone also evolve, like, Clefairy and stuff? Oh, yeah, it did, yeah, or but, something. And uh, the, there's a The Dream Eater Pokemon is Muna, and that's what this campaign is. And it's like... A Pokemon that likes to sleep all the time. Oh, man. This is a high-tier nerd reference, so you know, I approve. <laughs> uh, but the card itself, I think it, think it's pretty decent in any deck that has control over discarding cards. Yeah, which is every, almost every survivor that which takes most, a corner. Which is most of the survivors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus there's the, i forgetting the name, Patrice's favorite card. Cornered. Cornered, yeah, cornered. So all survivors. Seems good. Yeah. Do all survivors, like, does William Yurik play cornered? Mm. Uh, I think I think 115% Patrice plays cornered and definitely plays this card. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's completely true. I mean, Patrice gets just that she draws this like, oh guys, next turn I get plus one power and plus one agility. Yeah. Because <laughs> she discards her hand. Yeah, no, because I think like any survivor that draws a lot of cards probably plays cornered. So anybody that's playing like Rabbit's Foot and stuff probably plays cornered. Patrice uh, definitely would love this card i think wendy also because wendy can just freely yeah. whenever she does a test she can just to redraw something like if you're really desperate even if you like pass a test if you really wanted to get your moon sent out you could throw this away to do it again probably pass it again maybe you know maybe fail it but you got you managed to play your moonstone and wendy also would love both the will and the agility from this so i'm, I'm excited to play this in wendy i think it's also really really good in patrice are we sure other survivors will want to play it not necessarily survivors but I recently played with Agnes, and um, while Agnes herself isn't like any testament to play this, she can play Cornered, um, but also Scroll of Prophecies. Um, you can draw three cards and discard one card from your hand. That's true. So if this is just in your hand, you can pitch this and throw it into play. So like as Agnes, already being ridiculous with Peter, having like six will and, and uh, four agility she can throw out a moonstone which would put her at seven and five or four five four five five yeah although i think with agnes you'd have to really have a reason to want that extra agility because yeah. the rosary is quite good for agnes because that also is a little bit of horror protection 
which she needs if she's using her horror as a resource. So I'm not sure I'd play this in Agnes, but you certainly could with the help of that, um, the Scroll of Prophecies. Right. There's also, uh, so I think it's, it's a little unfortunate that Mandy can't play this because if you, if your deck is always, if your hand is always full, then certainly you can just discard this to hand size. But Min, Min yeah. Make you good use of this, I think, right? Yeah. Same with Ursula. Yeah. Um, the only, uh, with Min, it, there's a little bit of a difficulty that with Min, you really don't want to play too many cards that don't have symbols on them, which this doesn't, but yeah. it might be worth it to play one. Yeah, that's tough for Min. It also combos with the, uh, what's the amazing bonded card? It's like a book, Bloodright. Yeah, Bloodright. Oh, Bloodright. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You could draw this off of Bloodright and then discard it to deal damage or whatever. Oh, yeah. So that's Ursula then, right? Yeah. Like that's the way Seekers can easily have a way to discard stuff. One one other thing, though. This is similar to Tooth of Esley, right? So Tooth of Esley is basically the same card, only exactly. it, you only get the bonuses during the uh, Mythos phase or dur- on, on encounter cards, but you get to draw a card if you succeed, and you can play it normally, and it has an icon on it. So if you think that you're going to use will and agility tests during investigator phase to do tests then this is definitely a lot better but if you you know most of the time will you mostly use on encounter cards unless you happen to be casting spells tooth of esley might be basically as good or better than this so i think that for people that don't really need the agility during investigator phase this might not really be worth it over tooth of esley if you can play both there's a lot of like encounter cards that stick around that you need to use willpower to get rid of. But yeah. you can do that with Tooth of Esley, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, yeah, that's true. It just it just only draws you a card once because it exhausts itself. Yeah, but but drawing a card off it is pretty great, right? Like that is nice if you need cards. Yeah, and Ur- Ursula like mainly like loves the agility. While she's not necessarily using it all the time, like she already has four, so, so like getting to five is like just gravy. Yeah, being able to use agility to evade when you want to is is solid because ursula can play either of these because this one's a relic right like see for for ursula i would play the tooth but like for wendy and patrice who can't play the tooth i would definitely play this yeah for sure on to uh on to the next one the second survivor card is called sharp vision uh it is a skill it is level one it has one intellect icon on it it is innate and developed max one committed per skill test while Sharp Vision is committed during a basic investigate action, it gains two intellect icons and the text, if this test is successful by two or more, discover one additional clue at this location. And I like the art because it's this cool kind of uh, like 20s cabaret vaudeville, I'm not really sure exactly, performance going on with a lady with like a weird tiara and a, some kind of feathery garments. And uh, someone's taking a picture of her. So that's cool. But then she's actually not. Yeah, I mean, you see the shadow, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a there's a tentacle shadow behind her, so ooh. Oh, it's spooky, yeah. Yeah, I like... Uh, so stuff like this, I'm not totally sure about this, but you see art like this, and you're pretty confident that this is not recycled from a previous Arkham Files game, because the Ar- other Arkham Files games didn't really have time to get into, like, stuff as cool and weird as this. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah. Uh, but for the card itself... Seems good, right? Yeah. Innate is Silas's thing, right? Like, he can play innate. He can oh, yeah. do something with innate cards. Yeah. Yeah, he can recur it if he wants. I don't know. Like, this is another good Mandy min card, though, because a lot of the time you're just doing a basic investigate action. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say that. It's really good in min. Uh, and this gives... This is plus three, plus three intellect when you do that, and you get an extra clue. Or four if you're min. That's the thing, because if you if you expect to succeed with plus one intellect, then you can definitely expect to succeed by two with plus three intellect, right? Right, right. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, this is essentially two extra deductions for min, right? Basically. And subclass 
Survivor Mandy. Which is obviously best Mandy, so yeah. Which is unbelievable, yeah. So it seems seems really good. And you're right, there's also a good selection of just general survivors that can use make good use of it. Tony can play this too, right? Yeah, if he subclasses I forget his three subclasses. Which one he does not have access to Yeah, he has Guardian Mystic, Rogan. Yeah. yeah. So he could play this and the and the other one, the attack one that came out last time with the bar chair and the Yeah. I feel like what's his base intellect? Isn't it like three or two? It's three. It's pretty solid. Oh, okay, that's pretty alright. So, I mean, worst case scenario, he plays this and, like, maybe doesn't pass by two, but it helps him get a clue. That's the thing. Like, even if you play this and you draw, like, a minus five or something and you end up only succeeding by zero or one, well, okay, you got a clue that you wouldn't otherwise have gotten right. because you drew such a bad token, you would have failed without it. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. This, this definitely seems pretty cool. I, I like it. I think it's got a lot of people would want to take it. It costs one experience, so, you know, you have to actually decide to take it, but I think it's definitely solid. Yeah, but, like, what else are you getting <laughs> as a survivor? The only thing, well, you can always just keep putting test of will back in your deck over and over again, which is the kind of standard survivor strategy. Um, so I, I think uh, the only reason I maybe would consider not playing this is if I was relying on things like lock picks and fingerprint kits that were like non-basic investigate actions. But uh, that's not super common. There's yeah. a lot of people that do basic investigate actions, including Min and Mandy, which we talked about. So right. I think I would, I would definitely be pretty interested to play it in either of those decks. Uh, so yeah, not a pretty straightforward card. Not really a whole lot to say about it. Just pretty, pretty strong. If you uh, if you can take it and you're trying to get clues, right? I think my huge gripe with this card is that they didn't call it 2020 Vision, seeing as though this is the first pack released in the new decade. <laughs> no, that's alright. We don't need to have that 2020 Vision pun in our pun. It's fine. I think we'll survive. Let's uh, <sighs> let's go ahead and move on to the last card. Okay. The next card is called Lucid Dreaming. It is a one cost event level two. Uh, it is neutral spell choose a card in your play area or reveal a card in your hand search your deck for another copy of that card and draw it then shuffle your deck and there's a lot of flavor text about the silver key so this is very similar to word of command which we already talked about right yeah it's a really interesting analog to look at like how the differences between a neutral card which matt has explicitly stated always have to be weaker than the class cards but are more versatile in some way yeah it's cheaper, it's also a spell, it also has no icons, and it also it's also level 2. The only difference is, so yeah, it's cheaper, it's neutral instead of purple, and instead of choosing any spell in your deck, you instead have to tutor for any card that you either have a copy of in hand or in play already. Right. I think this feeds into the have a giant hand deck, or like when you're trying to get yeah. all three copies of your Myriad card in hand or something, like that's what this is for supporting, right? That's the thing, right? Because, like, so Word of Command is great to have in your opening hand because you can find whatever spell you need. Like, your Guardian didn't find a weapon? Cool, I'm going to find my Shriveling, and I can get my Shriveling down right away. Right. This, on the other hand, is pretty bad early because you probably don't need a second copy of something that you already have. Like, you're not going to be, oh, I desperately need a weapon, let me use this to find it, because if you already had a weapon to play this, then you wouldn't need to find a weapon. Mm -hmm. But... As you guys said, it is, if you're trying to assemble the Pendant of the Queen or you're trying to do the Three Aces thing, that's really the situation where you'd use this, I think. Yeah. 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 Dream, Dream Enhancing Serum, you play Lucid Dreaming, you reveal your, your one Pendant of the Queen. Yeah. Now you have three. Yeah, with Mandy. That's true. You know, that's, that's if you're playing that kind of like goofy Mandy deck where you're trying to assemble Exodia, then I would certainly play this because oh my you, God. you get one copy of the Cla of the Onyx or whatever thing, whatever it's called. Wow. You immediately play this and you get two more. And if you have the Dream Enhancing Serum out, you just drew two cards that you already had copies of. So you get to draw two more cards. Well, no, you exhaust it. Oh, okay. Unless you have both out. 
Unless you have both out, <laughs> okay. then you can yeah, definitely yeah. do that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's definitely a deck that I'm very interested in playing. And while it's definitely not, like, 100% optimal Mandy play, yeah. I think, like, this card makes that archetype chug. Because that's such a good thing. Like, if you have one pendant, you play this for one, then you grab both your other copies, barring your weakness, of course. And then you throw all of them out, and for four experience, you get this, like, incredible... Or four resources, you get this wonderful, like, card that does a ton of ton of stuff. Because the pendant is ridiculously good if you assemble it, right? Like, like oh, it's, yeah. it's yeah. so good. Pendant of the Queen is fantastic. Yeah, like, th- I think that would be really fun. Like, I don't think you can fit all that stuff in the kind of, like, optimal Mandy deck, but I think there's a very, very fun Mandy deck that you could make that it would be a lot of fun to play where you definitely use this. Uh, stipulation, uh, fun 30-card Mandy deck that you could play. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or, or I don't know. I mean, if you're, if, once you're, once you're no longer trying to be play like optimally or whatever, like why not? Like just fit a, fit a bunch of crap in there. Like why not do the pendant and the three aces and, uh, pl- play three copies of, um, what is it? Uh, easy mark. Why not? You know, find, find, find one of them <laughs> tutor for the other two and then play all three. Like just try to do all of the like living the dream. Oh, well, if I had all three copies of this, just try to put all those in the same deck. So is this like the birth of the this pack gives the birth to the the Exodia Mandy? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Archetype. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, <laughs> this is this is like the the key card to Exodia Mandy for sure. Nice. Very cool. This pack I think is incredibly spicy in terms of in terms of adding really interesting things to pre-existing strategies. Like word of command, rounding out a really good spell heavy deck. Extensive research for Joe. Safeguard again. The ball of guardians is gonna happen. The cuddle puddle. Yeah, it's go- it's gonna happen, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. So yeah, does anybody else want to go full lemming mode with an all four- all guardian four player team with eight safeguards? Hell yeah. Who else is gonna wish for Sunstone in the next pack so we can have Arkham Horror, Sunstone, and Moonstone? Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. So I talked to you guys about my theory with the names of all the things in the Dream Eaters, right? Oh, it's it's baseless speculation time. It's theory. It's the theory corner. Oh, yeah. It's the theory corner starring yeah. Ben. <laughs> all right. Lay it out for so, us, Ben. So very obvious that this pack is Dark Side of the Moon, right? Which is a famous Pink Floyd album. So I've heard. And I'm told, I haven't played it yet, but I'm told there's a bunch of references to it in the in the actual text of the cards. And I was like, all right, that's an obvious reference. But I was just, uh, on a trip, road trip with my girlfriend, and she was listening to Sia, who has an album called Thousand Forms of Fear. Oh, God. It's very close oh, okay. to Thousand it's... Shapes of Horror. And I tried to dig a little bit deeper. I was wondering if maybe all of the scenarios from this campaign are like secretly named off of like albums that maybe Matt Nemwin listens to, or doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's his like, top eight favorite albums of all time. <laughs> maybe. But unfortunately, I'm not well-versed enough in music to have been able to connect all the dots. There is a there is an album called Point of No Return by Kansas, which is a band that I'm sure exists, but I have not that's, listened to them. That's also just a phrase, though, that people say. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's an album called The Waking Nightmare by the Blood of Heroes. There's a Dwelling of God, Gods by a weird band uh, <laughs> I've never heard of.
I don't know. I feel like there might be something here. I'm just not. And even an if even here. if the CIA itself wasn't involved in Kennedy's death, there were people closely linked to the CIA <laughs> who. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. So like, yeah, the, the dark side of the moon thing. We also have to kind of try to like get deep inside the the twisted mind of Matthew Newman and try to like figure out what his favorite music is. That might be tough. Although although this is these these points are jagged enough across the spectrum that is music that it might just work. So the Pink Floyd thing with this pack, I think, is undeniable. I think that's absolutely a, a reference that that makes a lot of sense. When we try to expand it to like the other packs, I just think it doesn't really hold up. Like it's usually it, it's like a phrase that is a known Lovecraft thing. And I, I I told you guys this. Pretty much every Lovecraft story or key phrase, you can find some like death metal or prog rock band that made like an, a a concept album about it or like a song cycle about it or something. Like just every single Lovecraft thing you can find that. Yeah, for sure. Somnium has a song called "At the Gates of Sleep." But see, like. <laughs> Isn't Gates of Sleep just like a Lovecraft thing, though? Like, that's just a known phrase that he Completely used. ignoring what you just said, trying to disprove my theory with logic, but... He's deep in his Charlie cave, still trying to figure out and connect all the dots. And, like, what was the <laughs> what was the one you found for Search for Kadath? The Search for Everything by John Mayer? That's just Search for something, yeah. Uh, I, did, I didn't have a good one. I assumed there'd be a song called, like, The Search for Cats or something, or The Search for... <laughs> Cat Kings, Death. The Search for Something with a K. The, the Search don't... for a second copy of a a spell card that you already have in your play area or you know, <laughs> yeah, someone, someone made an album called that i don't know i invite our listeners to investigate deeper to delve deeper into this and let me know if uh there's any connection at all there is i i reluctantly do not believe in this theory but i encourage our listeners to uh investigate the official versions of events that are told to us by people in power and question everything and also uh, watch the entire run of the x-files because it's a great show <laughs> So <laughs> that's that's my piece. QX files theme. Oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs>